Well, we are in the second week of our series, Seasons, and last week we talked about fall, and today we're going to talk about winter. Um, we arranged for a little snowstorm to totally set the mood for you. Um, we, uh, uh, we will go what, to whatever lengths it takes to just communicate the message that we're trying to communicate here. So, so uh, I am in my toasty sweater, and we got the snow outside, and we got warm beverages, so we have set the mood for winter. Um, just to give you kind of a little recap, last week we talked about kind of these seasons are something that we have to uh, be prepared for and ready for in life because we know they're going to be a part of life. The scripture tells us that there's going to be different seasons in your life. Some seasons of joy, some seasons of sorrow, some seasons of transition, some seasons of new life. There's these different seasons that we deal with, and the scripture doesn't like tell us like an like a, uh, incorrect picture of what the world is going to be like. It gives us a realistic expectation of that, but gives us ideas of how we deal with those things when we're in a different season of life. So last week we kind of talked about fall as that season of change and transition where things were one way and all of a sudden they're becoming a different way and how difficult that can be sometimes. And today we're going to talk about winter which is really the season that is the coldest and darkest of the year. Uh, it is the season of kind of endurance. If you think about uh, times long ago when the farmers had to prepare, the season of winter was getting ready all year for the winter season and just holding on. And that's kind of what the season of winter is. So, uh, I will tell you and warn you that this is a tough one to preach and talk about. And so I hope that I do it with some grace uh, because it is challenging to deal with the fact that there are times that are really difficult seasons of our life. And for me to get up here and just kind of say, I will give you all the answers to that is kind of foolish. And I come into it with some great humility, knowing that I can't give all the answers for the difficult times that you've gone through in your life or you may be in. It's kind of like you hear scientists say, uh, 3.543 billion years ago, this exactly happened. I'm like, what confidence you have in your math about what happened billions of years ago. That is pretty amazing. Um, I'm not going to have that same confidence approaching this conversation. I just want to tell you um, up front that I won't answer all the questions as far as all the difficulty you've gone through. And in fact, um, it's not uh, my favorite thing to preach about because it's challenging. So if you will, I want to just pray for us and pray for me that I can have um, uh, we can handle this in a way that is helpful because it can be difficult. So just pray with me. God, help us in this moment right now. Uh, there's some people that right in this room that are going through really difficult times, through like winter seasons. And um, we can't explain all of the reasons for that. And so God, just in this moment, just help us and comfort us. And God, give uh, me grace as I try to do my best to um, talk about this subject. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, well, a couple of years ago, I went to the movies with my kids. And 
when I go to the movies with my kids, I typically like have kind of the feeling of, you know what, uh, maybe I'll, I'll give it 15 minutes and then maybe I'll pop in an earbud and listen to a podcast or something. Because I'm not a big fan of like kid movies. I'm really actually excited because right about now, my kids are getting to the point where we can watch some movies that, you know, like don't include like Pocahontas and Bambi and stuff like that. So it's, it's really exciting time of life. Like uh, we're watching some funner movies. But, but I, I remember it, it, was a, it was a few years ago and my kids were of age that, you know, if you go to the movies, what is the latest animated movie that is coming out right now? And you go to that one. And so I didn't really know too much about it, but we went to a movie called Inside Out. And uh, we sat there and I started watching it and I was pleasantly surprised at a very interesting take and very thoughtful take on the, on the reality of our emotions. And the movie, kind of the premise of it, it's been out for a couple of years, so I'm going to spoil it a little bit. Uh, if you, uh, I, I highly encourage you to watch it because it, it really does a creative way of talking about how people handle emotions. And it has these like four little characters inside this young 11-year-old girl's brain that are the different emotions she's feeling. And you can kind of see those four characters kind of working controls in her brain as she's going through these different things in life. And there's one character in particular that seems like in the movie is almost a worthless and like uh, emotion that just gets in the way. And that is sadness. And um, it's, it's interesting. There's a lot of um, doctors and PhDs that gave some uh, insight into this movie. And it really gives some real insight into how people deal with and process emotions. But at the end of the movie, we find out kind of the plot of the movie is that it's this sadness emotion that brings this girl to a point where she can reconnect with her family and she can process some deeper things. And she comes to this point where she's sad and she reunites with her family and they work things out because of that real emotion in her life. And all throughout the movie, you're trying to think, like, what is the point of this emotion of sadness? And the, the movie depicts it really, really well. And so it's there is a reality that sadness or times of mourning or winter seasons seem like, why, God, would you allow this to exist in this world? Um, in Matthew 5, 4, it says this. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. What an interesting uh, phrase. And it's, it's amongst the Beatitudes where Jesus is talking about all these different groups that many times people think are weak or, uh, and, and are not really the people who are in control of the world. And Jesus changes the story and says, this is what my kingdom is about, is about these kinds of people. And one of those lines is this, blessed are those who mourn. For they will be comforted. Interesting how it says is that they will be, it is blessed when people mourn sometimes. That is an odd phrase. But it says because they will be comforted. They will be comforted in their mourning. And so I'm going to give a shot at this a little bit today at talking about how we deal with some of those really difficult times in life and what I think God does in those times. Now, let me just say this. Um, 
The, the question comes up in any type of conversation like this, and anytime somebody's dealing with loss or mourning, is God, why? God, why did you do this? Why did you cause this? And generally speaking, we could say, yes, everything is attributed towards God because God is in control and God is creator and God is God, right? And so, yes, we can in some way, a general sense, attribute all these things to God. But if you look at the whole scope of scripture, the picture that we get is a God who allows human freedom to uh, uh, like dictate a lot of life, who allows human freedom to be able to give people the chance to fall down and scrape their knee and make mistakes. And much of the sorrow and the difficulty that we see, and even the scripture says, even death, it's the consequence of sin. The wages of sin is death. And so overall, the perspective I always take in coming into this conversation is if somebody says, why am I going through this? Why is God putting me in this? I always default towards you know what? I believe God did and allows us in this world to deal with suffering for a period of time. But I don't think God directly is orchestrating every one of those acts. It's typically a result of the sinfulness in our own lives and around the world. Not always our fault, but it is kind of the natural consequence that God has allowed. The natural thing that God has allowed. And so that is my normal default. Um, but it is true that God does allow uh, us to go through suffering. And um, we want to we process how we deal with that. There's a few portions of scripture that really stretch me in this particular area. And we're going to read one today. And um, we have to deal with difficult topics sometimes. I would, I would much rather just you know pre preach Easter Sunday every week. But uh, we will be getting to spring next week. So the mood will turn. But... <laughs> But we need to deal with things like this because this is real, right? And this is something all of us will go through. And uh, let's think about how we can be prepared for um, the seasons of winter in our life. So I'm, we're going to flip to the book of 2 Samuel. And just to kind of give you some context of this passage is it is a passage where King David goes through incredible sorrow and difficulty. Uh, much of which is of his own doing. But the part that is challenging for me and kind of throws me in a loop a little bit is that there's direct references in this scripture that talk about like some of these things came upon and it was kind of God uh, allowing them or even, even uh, having them happen in David's life. So I don't know necessarily exactly how to deal with that. Uh, that is a bit challenging. But David... Uh, committed adultery with uh, Bathsheba, and uh, he had kind of the execution order in a way put on Bathsheba's husband because he was the king of the army, and he put him in the front lines and made sure that he died. And so he covered up his tracks, and then the prophet Nathan comes to David and tells him a little story to confront David on his sin. And when the prophet Nathan tells David about the consequences of his sin is he says that the child that is going to be the child that is born in your adultery will die. And that's pretty troubling, right? And that's pretty difficult. And this is kind of how the story picks up is it says in second Samuel, 
12.15 says this. After Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had born to David, and he became ill. David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and spent the nights lying in sackcloth on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused, and he would not eat any of the food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. David's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they thought, while the child was still living, he couldn't listen to us while we spoke to him. How can we now tell him the child, um, I think some of it got cut off there, I think is dead. All right. Uh, David noticed that his attendants were whispering among themselves, and he realized the child was dead. Is the child dead, he asked. Yes, they replied, he is dead. Then David got up from the ground after he... He had washed, put on his lotions, changed his clothes. He went to the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and at his request, they served him food, and he ate. While his attendants asked him, why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, he fasted and wept. But now that the child is dead, you get up and you eat. He answered, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why shall I... I why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. Then he comforted his wife to Bathsheba. He went to her and made love to her. They gave birth to a son and named him Solomon. The Lord loved him. And Solomon is actually the one who wrote the passage of scripture that we read last week in Ecclesiastes. It's kind of the summary or the, the theme of our series. Uh, very troubling portion of scripture. And David is dealing with serious consequences of his sin. And he's grieving. And uh, he does so in a very, very predictable way. I mean, he's grieving. He's, he's sad. He, is, uh, he fasts. And he prays. And the people cannot even console him. He is unconsolable. And they're worried about their king. Because he's, he's like just in this this place. But then the weird thing is, and it's unique, and it's something I want to look at, is in verse 20, you see that David, after his son dies, um, and if you put up the second screen there, it says, after his son dies, he got up from the ground, he washed himself, put on lotions, changed his clothes, went to the house of the Lord, and worshiped. Well, there is a real reality. That sometimes I think people can get stuck in a time of winter. And I don't believe that that's God's will for our lives. There is a time to mourn. And there's no question about that. And as, as we see, God says, those people who mourn, they, in a way, it, they will be blessed. They are coming to a place where they are sorrowful. They're empathetic. They care about things. And it, you know... It is appropriate to mourn. It's not appropriate to tell somebody who is going through loss, suck it up, don't cry, be tough, move on. That's, that's not it. And that's not the picture we get in scripture whatsoever. It is appropriate at times to mourn. But there are times where people can get stuck in mourning forever. And it's interesting how the Old Testament puts this picture together. I'm not saying that there won't be hurt. I'm not saying that it won't affect you and change your life. But it shouldn't be at a place that harms you 
for a long period of time moving forward. And the scripture kind of gives us a little bit of a pattern in the Old Testament on how to deal with mourning. There were all kinds of different practices in the times of the Old Testament on how people mourned. One of those ways that they did it is that they would cut themselves and do like kind of self-mutilation to kind of depict uh, mourning in this like kind of over-the-top way. And um, that is, was a common practice in that time and era. Well, the scripture says you should mourn. And there was lots of different practices that people practiced in those times that were appropriate forms of mourning. But the Bible specifically restricts the cut, like self-mutilation and says, don't do that. And if you stop for a moment and think about beyond just the physicality of it, the scripture is giving us a principle that the mourning should not be something that harms us. And should not be something that we're stuck in that is giving us physical harm. And there are times in life where mourning is something that like gives us long-term pain and long-term harm that is not healthy and is not what God wants. And I think that's kind of where we can say there's the dividing line between healthy mourning, healthy sorrow, and then something that is not appropriate. Something that is like harmful for us in our life. And it's interesting how in our culture, there's, there's lots of, um, there's a huge issue, especially with teens, with kind of this issue exactly that the scripture addresses. Is people trying to harm themselves physically when they're dealing with stress that they don't know how to deal with. And there's lots of teens in schools like this that are, that are cutting themselves. Exactly what the scripture forbids. Because in a way, it's kind, of, it's kind of, you know, taking this emotion and feeling and, and in a way just, just kind of projecting it out in a negative way, in a harmful way in our lives. And I want you to stop and like move past the physicality of the cutting issue and think about in your life, is there a time where the mourning turned into something that was personally self-destructive? Was it something that long-term just, that, was, that was pulling you away from other people? Maybe it was something that like caused you to lash out at others? Caused you to withdraw? Caused you to abandon God? Caused you physical pain like with uh, you know, substance abuse in some way or another? If our pain and mourning turns into something that is self-destructive, that is what, that's what we should avoid. And... David kind of gives us a little bit of a picture. There's, there's no doubt that David had some serious faults in his life. But there were things that he did really well. And the one thing that he did really well, and we see it all through scripture, is that he was incredibly repentant when he was confronted with his sins. And he did something to move forward. And so in th- this verse, like we read in verse 20, you see like what he did. So there was a time of mourning. And there should be. But he arose after a season of time and he got up. And sometimes that's what we have to do a little bit. When we're going and we're in the middle of a winter season, sometimes we just have to physically get up and get out of bed. And we have to like start moving again. And we have to start like taking those steps to living again. 
And sometimes that's physical, sometimes that's mental. But you see, the first action he did is he, he got up, and it says he washed himself off. He anointed himself kind of ceremonially to just say, all right, I'm marking this moment. And it says he changed all of his clothes, and he kind of got himself ready. It's, it's interesting, you know, how he just made this physical change and physical decision to say, there's going to be something that, that, that changes right now. I know that I can't change the past, and you see his words. He says, there's nothing I can do about the past. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to get myself up, and I'm going to wash myself off, and I'm going to continue. And he, the next thing he does is he goes and he worships God. This is the hardest thing. But through scripture, in a couple of instances, we see these really people who were close to the heart of God. In these moments of incredible difficulty, they worshiped God. Now, there's two very common reactions when people are dealing with loss and sorrow. One very common reaction is, to, is a lot of anger towards God. And maybe never coming into a church building again. Or maybe not saying a prayer again. Or maybe not worshiping again. And there's people that when they deal with severe loss, they say, no, I'm done. David does the exact opposite. And that's really, really the heart of our entire series. Is the heart of our entire series is realizing this difficult truth that I can't explain to you. But I think that we have to like come to grips with rationally, even though it doesn't emotionally solve all of our pain, is that God is still God. God is still in control. God is still all-knowing. God is still all-loving. And there's things that we will not ever understand or fully comprehend, but that is still true even in the midst of incredible sorrow. And it's really important to know it in that moment. Because in that moment, we need that more than anything else. We need to know that God is still God. I've heard many people say, and this is very, very legitimate. Many people say, I don't believe in God because of all the pain in the world. And there's some really smart people that I've heard say that before. And, but let me just say this, with, and please be gracious with me. But as far as I... As far as I can work it out, um, not liking the world that God has constructed is not logically sufficient reason to disavow God. I wrote that down so that I didn't misstate that. Okay. Not liking the world that, that is constructed, not liking God's world, or having a grievance against what's going on in the world is not a logically sufficient reason to disavow God or to say, I'm not following God anymore. Even it is a nor but however, that being said, it's a normal response. It's an understandable emotional response. But I will tell you, it's not a really consistent logical response. Because if there is a God, that that truth, if it is true, stands alone and stands aside. From the fact of what the reality of our world is. Those two things are two different things. It's kind of like, you know, going to school and like telling the teacher, I don't like school, so I don't like you. Those two things, they're not logically consistent. 
Just because you don't like the environment you're in doesn't mean that you should look to that person who is in that position and say, I, you know, I'm not going to – I don't believe that you're an authority figure in my life anymore. Now, you could logically say, I don't like God. That would be logically consistent. And that's something that maybe you need to work through. And there's deeper and harder conversations that we can get to in that regard. And I'm open to that, and that is hard, and I told you I wouldn't answer all the questions. But you can logically say, I don't like the world that God has made, but you can't use that as a reason to say that God does not exist. And so let's just put that out there because there's times that we need to hold on to some of these things that, is God real? Because if God is real and if God is true, then this is the world that we live in and we have to figure out what that means for our life. And it could very well be that there's things that we don't understand or comprehend. And there could very well be that this, yes, we are going through hard things, but there is a bigger, deeper purpose that we cannot grasp in our human minds. But it doesn't logically mean because there's bad things that God doesn't exist. Those two things don't flow together. And so... If you don't like the world as it currently is in, um, guess what? You are in agreement with God. If you don't like the world as it currently is in, you are in agreement with the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible over and over and over again tells us sin is devastating, that he wants no one to perish. That he wants, that his will is that all people would be saved. That God's will is that no one would, would die or be sick or be ill. Any of these things. God's will is depicted in the scripture as, our, my hope is that you follow me and you live with me eternally where there's no sickness, no pain, no, no crying, and no death. That is my will for you. However, I will allow human freedom and I will allow things to exist in this world for a period of time. And that's what the scripture tells us. So if you don't like the world you live in, you're in good company. God says the same thing. And that's what the scripture says. This is, like I said, I would not answer all the questions, but these are things that David was able to emotionally, he still had to deal with the emotional uh, side of it, but he was able to, in that moment, say, I still worship God, I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where some of the times where I was the most confused, most disoriented, had most sorrow in my life, were times where I cried out to God in the most vulnerable and real ways. And that is true. Um, I don't think it's a causation. I don't think God is inflicting necessarily bad things on our life so that we do that. But it is true. And so the question for us is, will you allow yourself to be comforted? Because that's what the scripture says. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. But will you allow yourself to be comforted? I think to a portion of scripture where um, Jesus said this to a man who is sick, or a man who he was going to... Uh, a man who he confronted and he said, do you want to get well? And the man said, yes. And he healed him. 
I think that question is before us when we're in seasons of winter. And that's the question we have to, we have to own for ourselves, is do we want to get well? Do we want to move forward? Do we want to continue to live? Do we want to, do, do we want to take next steps in our life? Or are we just going to continue to mourn and, and, and never receive the comfort that God offers us? And that's really the story of Scripture. And that's a really big picture story all throughout Scripture that the, that the Bible tells us that God is in the business of redeeming. God is in the business of redeeming. Meaning, when things go bad, God is in the business of setting it straight. And that's the whole story of Scripture. Human beings doing all kinds of things, the world being a mess, and God redeeming. And that's, that's the whole plot of the Bible. And in Romans 5, 1, it says this. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom has been given to us. This is the picture in the New Testament that we're given. About the reality of dealing with difficulty, struggle, in our life, in this world right now, is Paul is saying, because we've been justified by faith, because we have peace with God through Lord Jesus Christ, because of our understanding and relationship of God with God, because we believe and put our faith that there is a God in control of this world, because of that, then we deal with suffering and difficulty differently, and we process it differently. When we deal with suffering, we don't enjoy it. But what we do is we, we hold on because we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Because we know in our suffering, God can do something in it. He can produce perseverance. In our perseverance, there's character that's built and character hope. And this does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom he's given to us. And so, will you allow God to redeem the mess that you're in? Or will you stay in that mess inevitably, forever and ever? Will you be in a place where you're continuing to cause harm to yourself? That's not God's will for you. That's not God's hope for you. God is in the business of redeeming. God is in the business of bringing bad things back into what they were intended to be in the beginning. Bringing those things back. And so there is a possibility. And again, I don't want to be trite and I don't want to minimize anybody's pain. But there is a possibility that our mourning can be a blessing. There is a possibility that that mourning can be turned into a place where we are comforted. Um, there is a possibility that through the difficulties, we can have a moment of pause 
And we can reflect and we can go to deeper emotions and feelings than what we would have had had it just been summer, our whole entire existence and our entire life. There's a possibility of that. Now again, I'm talking logically and these are emotional things. And so I get it. And so what I just, I hope that we can leave it at if you're in a moment of winter is even if you don't feel like it, even if it's difficult, even if it's challenging, what I encourage you to do is you do need to take a season. You do need to mourn. And you need to take that time. And you need to reflect. But there is a point in time where you need to arise. There's a point in time where you're going to need to wash yourself off, change your clothes, and start taking steps to worship God. And say, God, this is a struggle right now, but I'm going to open myself up to being comforted. I'm going to open myself up to being healed. I'm going to allow myself to continue on in life. And you see, like kind of the end of the story of David is he has another son. And his son Solomon does amazing things and is the next king and is a wise person. And life continues on. It never fully takes away his pain, and he deals with lots of, lots of difficulty, lots of sorrow all throughout his life because of his sin and because of the death of his, his young son. However, life, moves on. life does continue, and God does redeem, and God does move in his life. And so I want you to ask yourself that question. Will you allow God to redeem you? And as a church community, what our job is, is our job is to mourn with those who are mourning. Our job is to celebrate with those who are celebrating. Our job is to come alongside one another as we're dealing with these things. But our job is together to recognize and gather and worship God even in the middle of it. And so as a community of faith, we're here for you if you're going through one of those times of winter, and that's okay. But the hope is that we can continue to walk along and we continue to worship God even in the middle of that because God is a God that redeems. Will you pray with me? God, there's people in this room that are really struggling. And I know that. And so, God, I, I do pray that you would do something in our hearts and our lives. We know there's a time for mourning. But, God... We also know that you're a God of redemption. You take what was destroyed. You take what was harmed. And you make something beautiful out of it. And so God, even if we don't feel like it right now, we cry out to you and say, God, you are in control. You are God. 
and we can't logically figure out all the things that have gone on in our own lives or in the world. But we still believe you are in control. And so God, help us through as we struggle along. Help us through as we're confused, as we're beaten up, as we're broken. God, redeem us. So God, in this room right now, I just pray for all of those who are hurting. I pray that we'd be able to take the courage to say, God, I praise you. I praise you in the storm. I praise you in the difficulty. And God, I pray that we would, instead of harm ourselves as a result of dealing with struggle and pain and loss, that you would help us to grow. You'd help us to have a more empathetic heart for those others who are hurting in our world. You'd help us to mature. You'd help us to grow up. You'd help us to be persevering. You'd help us to have character. You'd help us to have hope because we've seen what we've come through. And we know there's something on the other side. And so God, help us not to be people that don't deal with any loss or difficulty or never have a season of winter, but God, help us to be the type of people that open ourselves up to you so that you can make us stronger and stronger. And as a church body, I pray that we would be caring and compassionate and gracious with one another as we go through difficult times. Take a moment, I encourage you. It may be a struggle for some of you if you're going through something really difficult. But my challenge and encouragement to you is to say a simple praise to God. Say, God, you are good. God, I know you love me. God, you are in control. Whatever words you want to say to praise God. And ask God to begin the process of redeeming. 